0: We're going to read God's word together, the book of James, chapter 1, starting at verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is God's word.
1: Evening, evening one and all. Uh, Let me have my welcome. My name is Matt Fuller, if we've not met. And we're continuing on in uh, the book of James. So uh, let me pray and then we'll jump in together. Great God and Father, we continue to pray what we've just prayerfully sung that you'd be at work, because this is not a complicated bit of the Bible. It's not very hard to understand. But, Father, obedience, that's harder for us. So please, please be at work by your Spirit changing us. So we long to be those who follow your word and do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now. Uh, there are many bad things about lockdown, I guess. Uh, one thing is we just see fewer people, and that's grim for a multitude of reasons. But one problem with it is I think it's just much easier to be a little bit self-deluded, self-deceived. So I can think of one couple I've spoken to in the last few weeks, and uh, they're bickering uh, a lot in lockdown. I mean, it puts pressure on all of us. um, But you speak to them individually, and uh, the, the wife would say, well, it's his fault. It's his fault. It's just he's completely unreasonable. And then you speak to the husband, and he would say, well, the root of all the problems is her and what she's doing with this setting and what's going on, la, 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 la. And you think, hmm, both of you seem to think you're in the right and the other is in the wrong. Probably deceiving yourselves a little bit there. Or I caught up with another friend uh, recently, uh, not here, but um, he uh, has had, in the past, has had significant problems with alcohol. And so as part of catching up, I said, now, listen, how how are you doing uh, in this lockdown, this round, uh, with the drink? He said, oh, it's fine. Yeah, it's well under control. Oh, terrific. Well done. Uh, um, Are you having anything? Yeah, a little, a little. How much are you drinking? Well, the conversation went on a little bit. It's, well, a bottle a day. Just you? Yeah, just me. Does your wife know? No, so you're hiding the fact you're drinking a bottle a day from your wife. Yeah, I think there's a problem. (laughs) And I think you're deceiving yourself if you say there's not a problem. Just in the setting that we're in at the moment, it's quite easy to be self-deceived. But I don't think it's true just generally in the scheme of life. I was reading something, it was just in the newspaper this week, Uh, psychologists, uh, they talk about attributions, so uh, what we uh, attribute the the events of life to. And overwhelmingly, when life goes well uh, and there's success, we attribute that to our character traits. And when life goes badly, we tend to attribute that to circumstances of life beyond our control. And that's, you know, within a range of course, but that truism stands for all of us. What do you, a uh, success, well that's, that's, that's me. Failure, well that's stuff. And we all tend to operate that way, and again, it's self-deception, because it's easier to lie to ourselves than to face the truth. But, how do you respond to the scriptures, to the Bible? Uh, that's a pretty good indication. Here is truth. Here is light, which reveals issues in our life. Here is, in James's picture, a mirror that, if we look in it, will reveal that there's one or two things that need to change. How do you respond? It's a great test of how honest we're willing to be with ourselves if you were here last time, we, um, uh, in chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, the subject was, how do you respond to trials in life? Uh, chapter 1, verse 2, all kinds of, trials of many kinds will come upon you in life. Will you respond with faith and perseverance? Will you respond, give in to temptation and sin? No, and I don't think here James has just completely changed topic. He said "Well, a bit about trials and temptations. Anyway, enough of all that. Let's just talk about the Bible now for a bit of a chunk, and then we'll go on to something else. Rather... Again, one significant indicator: when trials come upon you in life, whether you persevere is, how will you respond to God's word? I think is how it flows from the section before. When you're facing trials, will you show constancy, commitment to trusting the scriptures? That's how I think it fits together in chapter one. Now the bulk of the passage really is, um, it's two ways that we can be deceived. And James is flagging them up for us. Two ways. So we we'll look at them like this. Keep, well, I'm going to phrase them positively rather than negative. Just because um, we all need positives at the moment. Okay? So humbly accept God's word, which is verses 18 to 21. And then keep on doing God's word, 22 to 25. That's how we look at it, all right? Humbly accept God's word. Keep on doing God's word. And then at the end are three little examples that introduce the rest of the letter. First then, verses 18 to 21. Humbly accept God's word. Don't proudly reject it, which will show you're being deceived. Now, at verse 18, James concluded his look at some of the good gifts that God has given. uh, With this wonderful gift, verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And then at verse 21... When you become a Christian, the picture is similar to what, new birth there here, but uh, verse 21, except the word planted in you. I mean, similar concepts, new life grows within you, a word is planted within you, and this word can save you. And slowly as you go on in the Christian life, God's word of truth planted within you, it does change you. Jesus does his work and he changes you. But it isn't automatic that is, it isn't indifferent to what we do. Just like if you happen to plant a seed, you know, a new lockdown hobby, trying to grow some plants, uh, seeds require a bit of water, some sunshine, uh, pull out the weeds that are choking them. We just, so. God has planted his word of truth within us, but we need to water it, allow sunshine in. Well, he'll give us the right words. The first thing we're to do to allow this word of truth to grow within us is verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So here, I don't think this is just a a word on polite etiquette. You know, be... um, uh, Quick to listen, be slow to speak, and don't eat with your mouth full, and uh, don't yawn mm, without covering your mouth. That's very rude. Don't don't do those sorts of things. They're sort of the table manners. Uh, eat with your knife and fork, not with your hands, um, and other rules of, of etiquette. I don't think it's that, because it's surrounded by these references to how you're going to respond to the word. Verse eighteen, this word of truth within you. Verse twenty-one, this word planted within you. So I think verse 19, to explain to put it positively, be quick to listen to God's word, to the scriptures. Verses 19 to 20, be slow to speak and slow to become angry in response to the scriptures. Don't hear the Bible and straight away. But yeah, but what about, what about, and react to it and speak words of self-justification or, or get angry with what's said. I think they're all responses to the Bible. I mean, what does that look like in practice? So you, you could be in a marriage and bickering and fighting, and all of a sudden you happen to hear a sermon, it's Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands, and your instant response is not to hear it, but to say, Yeah, but Paul didn't have to be married to a spouse like mine. And straight away, rather than listen to the word, you speak words of self justification. Yeah, but it's all just very different in a lockdown. No, you're slow to listen there. You're quick to speak in self justification. And James would say, Don't, don't do that. Or I don't know, you're you're someone and you're currently, you're living for your career. You're living for as much money and status as you can accumulate. And you read a passage in the Bible about the dangers of loving money. And rather than say, I wonder if that's something I need to hear. I wonder if that's something I need to respond to. You don't listen, but you speak and say, yeah, well, it's all right by them in the first century. London's expensive. It's just naive to think in those terms. You have to ensure you've reached a certain standard of living before you can take that verse seriously. I don't love money. I just really need to accumulate it. And you speak words of justification. And James would say, no, be quicker to listen. Be slower to speak. And let's be honest, there are times when we read things in the Bible or hear something explained from the Bible and it just makes us angry. So maybe you you, you hear a sermon on sexual purity from the scriptures and at that moment in time, well, you're living in a sexually permissive fashion and you just get angry and you say, oh, this church is obsessed. It's always talking about sex. The Bible's obsessed. It's always talking about sex. For goodness sake, it's not that bad. And you get irritated and angry. And James would say, What's going on? You just need to be faster to listen, slower to speak, justification of yourself. See, the attitude that's in the heart that is not quick to listen to the Bible, but is quick to speak those sort of words. Verse 20 human anger, it'll never produce the righteousness that God desires. You won't grow with that attitude. In fact, therefore, you need to get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do do you see? Humbly accept the word is quick to listen, slow to speak in response, slow to get angry. That is humbly accepting the word. And verse 21, it's a moral decision. You have to get rid of all moral filth, because when we hear the scriptures taught, explained, it is, it is, of course, like sunlight exposing a filthy room. There are moral cobwebs there, and you then, when the sunlight has exposed a, a, a problem, you have a choice. You either go, one, ah, golly, I can see there's moral filth. I can see it needs cleansing. I need to do something about that. That's one option. Or you could go to, actually, I don't want to change. I don't want to change my lifestyle. I quite like things the way they are. So um, let's just not listen very carefully. Let's just ignore that bit of the Bible. And it matters. Because James says, verse 21, this word planted in you, it'll save you if you listen. But if you don't, We're back in last week's territory, where temptation comes, sin, verse 15, death, spiritually speaking. So there's the first warning about deception. Don't just proudly reject God's word, humbly accept his word. Okay, That's the first. Secondly then, verses 22 to 25... Second thing we're warned about, don't just listen to it, but positively keep on doing God's word, verses twenty two to twenty-five, all right? Keep on doing it. Twenty-two to twenty-five. Now here's the second instruction, and I think for some it's a far more dangerous deception. Verse twenty-two. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says perhaps more dangerous for for many at a church like ours. You see, you can sit in a church, on a screen, on a sofa, whatever. Uh, You can sit, but be part of a church where um, every attempt is made to explain and and proclaim, teach the Bible faithfully. And you can sit there and think to yourself, yes, I'm in a, a good Bible church and I'm a good evangelical and I am a good Christian. But while you listen, and you do listen, and you don't object Unlike verses 19 to 21, you just do nothing. You hear it and go, oh yes, I'm sure that's all very helpful. And you do nothing. That I think is a greater danger for us perhaps than even the first deception. And he gives us this little picture of what that's like. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Do you see the comparison? Look in a mirror, see that there's an issue, do nothing. It's the same as someone who listens to the Bible, hears that there's an issue in their own life does nothing that's the comparison okay uh, so maybe unlikely but look most of us i guess still uh, in the morning take a look in the mirror and at some of us it will be far more frequent than that some of us in lockdown probably don't even bother roll out of bed put on a baseball cap and uh, stumble into the first zoom meeting and um, whatever uh, with something along the on route you know I'm It's fine. Um, But most of us, most of us will take a look uh, in the mirror in the morning. Now, if you do that and uh, you look in the mirror and there's a a massive snail trail emerging from a nostril and you see it in the mirror and go, (laughs) you clear it up straight away. You don't go, oh, that's horrible. And then just forget and wander off and do something else. So that's a bit, that's a bit grim, isn't it? Um, but uh, or after lunch, you have something for lunch, and you have a quick look in the mirror after lunch, and there's crumbs, there's ketchup, mayonnaise, whatever, on your chin. You go, oh, should clear that up before I go for a, a meeting on Zoom with my boss. Oh, but what's that? What's my phone telling me? Something vacuous. Excellent. And you forget, and um, there you are, and you sit through your meeting with your boss with a a beard of ketchup and crumbs. You're not going to do that. And James says, when you hear something in the Bible and you think, oh yeah, there's an issue there, don't just walk away and do nothing. Address it, sort it out, clear it up. Now, it's a timeless problem, obviously. It's why it's in the Bible. But at the moment, in lockdown... It's even more acute. I mean, I'm not naive. I take it, some are listening attentively. Some are sort of listening to this while flicking up notifications on their phone and wondering what the football score is. And you'll hear this, and you'll just carry on doing it. And James would say, you're in a bad way. You're deceiving yourself if you think that's healthy. You've you got to do something about that. Otherwise you're just wandering through the day with snot all over your face. You're not going to do that, are you? You've got to sort that out now. The positive contrast comes in verse 25. But... But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, ah, oh, they'll be blessed in what they do. Why the change from word to law? I mean, we've had the word of God four times, verse 18, 21, 22, 23, uh, and now verse 25, the perfect law. Why the shift from word to law? I I, I don't know for certain. It may be that he's stressing obedience. This is a law that you obey in God's word. You do know that, don't you? But what do you discover when you uh, look intently and pay close attention and do God's law? Verse 25, it gives freedom. And, of course, it's one of Satan's great lies that we think it won't give us freedom. It'll hem us in. It'll restrain us. It'll make life more dull than lockdown going on for a decade. You know, that's, you know, we, no, no, says James. It gives freedom. There's a sense in which uh, obeying God's word, it's a bit like the uh, extraordinarily popular Couch to 5K app that uh, many, many people have uh, started using. Over the past year, uh, you start off and you, just, you, you walk for about a minute and then you run for 10 seconds or whatever it is. The, but uh, people start off, when they start off doing it, the, the first few times, like, oh, everything aches, oh, my muscles ache, oh, my knees ache, oh, my, my head aches, oh, I hate it. Um, but of course, you persevere just through the first few days. Well, it's quite enjoyable. I mean, in our neighborhood, there are dozens of people who would say, oh, I used to hate running. But I really enjoy it now. Actually, Couch the 5K has been really great. Um, and actually, sometimes we think, oh, obeying God, oh, it's just, oh, just, oh, oh, oh. But you do it and go, actually, it's just really enjoyable. Actually, I, I live a life now, and God puts sensible parameters around what is healthy and what is not. But there's vast, vast millions of acres of freedom to live in that, and it's great. It's great. I live with far fewer worries and anxieties now. It's brilliant. Well, of course. Because God says it's the right way to do it. The right way of living. We think God's word will constrain us. It brings freedom. If you continue, verse 25, or persevere. It's actually the same route as chapter 1, verse 3, chapter 1, verse 12. You keep going. You keep going. Doing God's word through trials, you persevere. So keep on doing God's word. So those are the two. Humbly accept God's word, don't proudly reject it, and keep on doing God's word. Don't just listen to it. Very briefly, he gives three examples in verses 26 and uh, 27, uh, and then he expounds upon them much later, a uh, much greater depth in the rest of the book, which is why we're not looking at them in detail tonight. But briefly, verse 26, here are the three tests or three examples. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And chapter 3 is mostly about that. What we say, how we say it, reveals what's going on in our hearts. Verse 27, here's the second test. Religion that God ex- our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And chapter 2 will focus upon that. Do you care only about people who help you, who are impressive? Are you showing favoritism? And the third test, just the last one, the Father accepts as pure and faultless those who keep themselves from being polluted by the world. And chapter 4, verse 4 onwards, is all about that. So... More on them in later weeks. But do notice how important this is. Verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious don't dot dot dot. They deceive themselves. Literally in the Greek, they deceive their hearts, and their religion is worthless. Wow. So here's the question, I guess, of the text. Are you deceiving your own heart? And you know the answer to that by how are you responding when you hear God's word? Do you listen? Do you do it? If so, God's delighted. If not, are you deceiving yourself about where you're at? Because the only way to prevent self-deception is to listen. And, although it's much, much harder at the moment, to listen with others They can help us point out if we're just mere listeners. Because this is how Jesus changes you. So verse 21, this is how Jesus shepherds your soul all the way to heaven. Verse 25, this is how Jesus helps you walk in freedom and blessing now. Verse 27, this is how Jesus helps you to live a faultless life. When you're, well, simply don't be self-deceived. Listen humbly and do God's word. Let's pray together. Father, please deliver us from self-deception, that without repentance leads us into temptation and sin and death. Father, please, would we be those who humbly accept your word without self-justification and anger, and therefore no freedom and life, pray in Jesus' name, amen.